I would love for you all to give Fount a big welcome because this gentleman and his lovely bride have been such a, a blessing in so many ways to so many of us over such a long time. And every time you come, it's like we have this feast of revelation. So our hearts are ready for more revelation this morning. And so have fun. I will. <laughs> you guys want to join me for some fun? All right, let's turn to Psalm. Let's see, which Psalm do I want to turn to? I know, yeah, 46. Here it is. It's on this part of the page. You know, it's confusing these days. Every Bible has everything on the wrong page. Well, I guess I need to learn how to use a cell phone for a Bible. I want to read this psalm slowly with a few comments, and then I want to launch into what I think the Lord has for us here this morning. Oh, boy. I don't like turning my back on the people I'm teaching. So I'm going to move this just a little bit this way. Thank you, Mark. Okay. No, I... I love eye, eye contact when I'm teaching is the read. I guess I can turn. There you are. Okay. Join me. God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though the waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. And I think it's pretty clear that this is presenting the picture of chaos. <laughs> the earth giving way, that sounds almost like an earthquake. Mountains being moved into the sea, that's worse than an earthquake. And the water's roaring and foaming. You know, as I have been watching our national state at a distance. Linda and I don't watch news, but we keep up with what's going on uh, in different ways. But I think that describes where a nation is right there. Mountains are troubled, and they're being troubled. Let's move on. There is a river. <laughs> whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. I like the translation that God will help her and that right early. I like that translation a little bit better. The nations rage, boy are they raging. 
kingdoms totter, there's kingdoms tottering. He utters his voice, the earth melts. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. Put your name in there. Put your church in there. Put your community in there. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolation on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. I like that verse 9. He makes wars cease. Oh, boy. How many of you would like to see some evidence of that? I would. Well, the psalmist is speaking partly from personal experience. Partly he sees what's happening in his own nation. God does this sort of thing, but he's not presently doing it for us at this time. Or is he? Think about that. Maybe he's doing something and we just see the problem instead of what he's doing. Maybe. But I want to focus for a moment on verse 10 and 11. Be still. Notice that the 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 uh, the command, if you please, the admonition, the challenge to be still is in the context of the world falling apart. Yes. Now, if you missed that, oh, I want to go into my prayer closet, just be still. No. We are being shaken as the earth itself is shaking. Be still. And know that I am God. I want to draw attention to be still. Interesting Hebrew there. Be still in this context literally means lay down your arms. Put your armaments in the closet. I think it's interesting, the text that uh, Ira read before we began. Don't take a sword, just begin to praise. Be still, lay down your arms, stop fighting this battle. Well, yeah, but, well, the yeah, but simply means I have not yet really trusted in him. I've trusted in my ability to face this. I've trusted in my ability or our ability to rise up and do something. And the Lord is saying, sit down. Put your sword in the closet. You're not going to need it. Whatever that means in a given situation, be still and know. 
We will never know that God is God as long as we are fighting the battle rather than allowing him. You know that God is God when he wins the war for you. Does that make some sense? Yeah. Yeah. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations, and he will. He will. I will be exalted in the earth. He will. Now, I want to focus just for a moment on the earth. Some people think, well, someday we get to heaven, all the exaltations are going to be up there. No. As a matter of fact, this whole context, the whole psalm is about here and what we're going through. Well, what he was going through, but we apply it to what we are going through. In the verse 4, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. Where is the city of God? Everybody said, well, that's in heaven. Well, in that day, the city of God was Jerusalem on earth. That's the only Jerusalem he knew, is the Jerusalem that's on earth. But God of heaven dwells in Jerusalem, specifically Mount Zion. We don't need to go into that. God is in the midst of her. The her here is the city. Where do you live? Myrtle Beach, yeah. Where do you live? I live in the city of God. I don't have to die to go to heaven. I live there. Here. Now, watch that little twist in words. I live there. Here. If you don't get it, <laughs> like I said in, in the beginning of the prayer thing, some of the things, the imagery and the pictures in, in the scripture don't make sense to the natural man. How many of you are seated with him in heavenly places? Are you telling me that you're there? Here. Oh, that the church as a whole could get a hold of this. We live there, here. Okay. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress, and we don't have to die and go to heaven to get in the fortress. Boy, we would be in trouble if that were true. Okay. Now, I want to connect this to something I think think I did last time I was here. I never remember. <laughs> For years I've been traveling among many churches and different churches, different weekends. Uh, even when I was teaching regularly at a college campus, uh, I would go to different churches on weekends. I've done that for a hundred years or less. <laughs> and I've experienced a lot of church I've had many church experiences. Some of them were good, and some of them had some lack. I wouldn't say they're bad, because they are a church, but there's some things lacking. I don't know that there are any churches where there's not something lacking, except here, Mark. 
<laughs> okay. But my point is that I don't always remember what I spoke last time I was at this place. Uh, I used to think I need to get organized and write down, here's what I did there, and if I ever go there again, I won't repeat this. Finally, one day the Lord sort of said to me, if you preach the same thing this week that you did a couple of months ago, because you think I've led you to say that, perhaps they didn't get it the first time, and I want to repeat myself. So, and all of that has a purpose in where I'm going in Psalm 49. We talked about verse 5. Why should I fear in times of trouble? Psalm 49, verse 5. Psalm 49, verse 6. Yeah, I changed psalms. I also changed socks, but not here. Okay, I'm moving to Psalm 49 because that's where I think I was last time I was here. Whether I was or not doesn't matter. Why should I fear in times of trouble? We just read Psalm 46 where there were definitely times of trouble. And the admonition was, be still and know that I am God. Why should I fear? And you ask that question, why? Because you're fearing and you know you should not. How many of you know you should not fear? God is our stronghold. I'm safe with him. Yeah, but. <laughs> Let's face reality. Sometimes we fear full well knowing we shouldn't fear. Why should I fear in times of trouble? When the iniquity of those who cheat, this version, I don't like this version, but that's what it says. Uh, when the iniquity of those who cheat surround me. Now, many of you know that, uh, maybe you don't know. I got my doctor's degree in the Hebrew language, not in a seminary, but in a state university linguistics department. Uh, my degree is in semantics. I'm a linguist who uses his skills to discover theological truths in the Bible. Words are important. And so I went back, which I have not done for a long time, and began to look at this psalm in the original Hebrew. Last time I taught here, I had not reviewed the Hebrew for maybe 50 years or less. Okay. Why should I fear in times of trouble when the iniquity of those who cheat? When I began to look at this, it, it seems like what the psalmist is really saying, the iniquity that chases me at the heels. I'm walking along and there's something at my heel. I just think of a real bad dog chasing you at your heels, the iniquity that's chasing me at my heels. And I, the word iniquity 
means that thing that is twisted. The, the word literally means that which is twisted or bent. There is something in each one of us that is twisted. Some of us are twisted toward this problem. Others are twisted toward that problem. Some are twisted, for example, toward alcohol. Some toward pornography. Some toward this, that, stealing. I used to be twi uh, twisted toward stealing. Uh, <laughs> it's confession time. <laughs> I used to go into bookstores and find a little book that I could fit in my pocket and walk out with it without paying for it. I had to pay for that one. Uh, I used to pick up pens and put them in my pocket. I love pens. I've got more pens than I ever need, but I want another one. <laughs> That's a twist. And it's a problem which I need to overcome. And it is, can I say it this way, it's a twisted thing that's biting at my heels when I'm walking through life. Does that make some sense? Now, I've overcome this one. I no longer steal pens. I pay for them, but I still have <laughs> more pens than I could use in three lifetimes. Because I like pens. Some of you like other things, you've got them stuck all over the house or in the closet or in the attic, wherever. Okay. Why should I fear? And the word, the concept of fear is I'm submitting to this thing. See, fear the Lord doesn't mean be afraid of. It means submit to. Fear the Lord. Now. The thing, the iniquity is chasing me at my heels and it surrounds me. Now, I don't see it as it's around me and I'm closed in, but it churns. It churns within me. It turns and it turns and it turns. Something happens. You see it on the news or something happens in your life personally. Just recently, uh, we were uh, listening to some reports on what's happening in the, in the little school issues with little kids in school who are being forced to be in, uh, involved in stuff that is totally unbiblical and ungodly and stupid. And it's on a national level that is trying to make it right when it's wrong. Now, you can fill in the blanks with whatever you know. But I went to bed that night, and I could not sleep because of the churning for the children, for the children, for the children, for the children, for the children. The children of our nation need our prayers. Now... This is not an iniquity churning, but it's a churning. And this is the churning that we need, something. Uh, I very, I'm, I'm not a prayer warrior. I'm, I'm not what you would call an intercessor. I'm a teacher. I study. I read blah, 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 and all of that. 
But I've read stories of people who would wake up in the middle of the night with a burden and get up and pray. And so about 1 o'clock in the morning, I got up, and uh, I'm concerned about the children. Now, what's happening is not an iniquity stirring. It's something quite different. It's the Spirit of the living God working in me for His concern for the children of our nation. And I did get up. I prayed for probably three minutes. I mean, I'm a real prayer warrior. <laughs> but since I'm awake, I just stay up and do the stuff I do uh, every morning. And then I just took two naps that day. How many of you know sleep is a good thing? Okay. Those who trust in their wealth, and we dealt with that last time, I think, boast in the abundance. I've got this and I've got that. And there are people in our nation who are boasting on their ability to make things happen their way, to bring in the woke thing, to bring in all kinds of weird stuff, and to force our children to receive a vaccination before they can go to school. Now, that troubles me. And that's not an iniquity surrounding me. So I'm trying this morning to make a distinction. What troubles you? Is there something wrong in you that is twisted? Or is there something wrong in the world that God wants you to be involved in straightening it out? Now, my involvement is not as a prayer warrior. If you want a prayer warrior, call my wife, Linda. She will do war. Yeah. <sighs> but if you want to learn something, call me. <laughs> but you may need to learn something so you can be a better prayer warrior. Now, the iniquity, this twisted thing, can cause you to go this direction. Now, I want you to think for a moment, the, the churning, the twisting. If you're in... Uh, a large body of water and it's twisting like this we call it a whirlpool uh, if you've ever visited the Niagara Falls a river that comes down and makes a turn there's a whirlpool there that you can go and you can watch and I would not even attempt to swim toward that because sooner or later it will grab you, and you're no longer growing. Where no longer going where you want to go. Right. It's going where the whirlpool wants to take you, which is down under. Now that, which way does the? I don't know which way does this whirlpool go. I think it's clockwise. There is another twist that is counterclockwise. And it wants to take you up into the heavenlies. You with me? Yeah. So we're talking about a churning. And we all experience a churning either taking us down or lifting us up. Now let's put the two psalms together and learn something. There is a river. Okay, that's okay. Verse 4. 
And back to 46, I've got to keep you up with me. Uh, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. Now, this river, you might say, has a backward whirlpool. <laughs> Whenever you get in this funnel, it takes you up into the heavenlies. This morning, when we sat down before the prayer time began, and I mentioned this, I saw a pillar of fire coming down, and it was about right here where it was coming down. And then I saw it's really a waterfall. Well, is it a waterfall or is it a fire? The answer is yes. Fire and water are often mixed. And we, we talked about that a little bit in the, in the prayer time. But I want to get under the spout where the glory pours out. Have you heard that phrase? That's an old Pentecostal phrase. Come get under the spout where the glory pours out, which is usually at the altar. But that spout is wherever you are at any given moment, in any given place, you are the place where God meets Man, man meets God, and out of that meeting, this thing, and, and as I saw the, the pillar coming down, at the bottom it was rolling out toward the people. It's like you throw a big stone into the water, there's ripples that go every direction. We, you, Mark, are a place where the power comes down, and the glory goes up. And whenever we are experiencing that, there is the potential of changing your environment. So that it's no longer iniquity churning, even in the neighborhood or in the community or in the nation or worldwide. When the church as a whole gets into this vortex that is drawing people up and giving them gifts to bring down and the, the uh, cycle, the uh, recycling of the heavenlies, if you please, begins to take place as we as individuals and as groups getting together. And that's one thing I really love about this particular group. You guys know how to get together. You know what gather means. It's not just all the people out there and we're up here uh, in the platform doing our thing and you get to watch. I like that. And here's my challenge for this morning. I'm going to turn it back to Mark very shortly. Individually. Jump in. Yeah, but I don't know. I know you don't know. I don't know either. If you have to know before you jump, you probably will never jump. And you will miss everything God has for you because you were not willing to trust him that when you jump, you're going to end up somewhere good. There is a river that makes glad the city of God in the context of the world falling apart at the seams. 
the river is not affected by the tragedies that we look as we watch history, as we watch the national scene, as we watch the community scene. There's a lot of bad stuff going on in the Grand Strand. Some of us are aware of some of them. The sex trafficking here is uh, very high in the national level. We need to get involved. Each one of us has a different place. It's not go down on the streets and preach. I mean, if God calls you that, do it. But that's not the only way. Maybe it's just teaching a few. Maybe it's just sharing with a few. Maybe just speaking a word in season into the ears of a, uh, someone who has connections Amen. with someone who has connections. You never know what your words are going to accomplish. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Watch your tongue. Don't speak negatively about everything that's going wrong. We all know it's going wrong. Let's talk about what God is doing. And bring down into the earth by our speech... We are channels of the river. We are channels of the pillar of fire. We are channels of what God wants to do in the earth. And so we need to, to use a new age term, we need to channel. You with me? We need to channel. Now for me, that means spending time trying to understand what all of these words put together in a psalm uh, all of these words put together in the whole book of Psalm, all of these words put together in the Old Testament, all of these words in the Old and the New Testament, that's my job, that's my call, that's my joy. Believe me, I enjoy reading 20 hours a day. Now, if I only could. But other things call in different directions. Yes. After I've read and read and read what I do, well, I do several things. I, I do a post every morning on Facebook. And I come to churches like this and I talk about what I've seen and what I've learned. And I talk with Linda, share with her, she shares with me. We have a thing going between us. It's only like, what, 58 years old? but it's still churning. Do, I think the time before, last time, before last time, I talked about there was a woman sent from God whose name was Jane. You remember that? There was a man sent from God whose name was Mark. There was a man sent from God who is called Fount. And he came. And you came. If you're here, you were sent from God. And you came. Now, having been sent and having come, let's do what he called us to do. And I can't tell you what that is for you. I can just work out my own salvation with fear and trembling, knowing that God is at work in me both to will and to work 
according to his good pleasure. Bravo. See, I told you it was going to be a rich feast. Here's what we're going to do. I want you just for a very short moment to identify what it is that's been snapping at your heels. Because we're going to leave it behind. And we're going to step into the river. We're going to step forward into being still and knowing he is God, and I am me. So I'm going to s encourage you, as you identify what's been snapping at you, what's been churning around you that distracts you, just in your own heart, say, God, I'm going to leave that behind. And when you're ready to leave it behind, just come and stand in the open space here. Different ones of us are going to agree with you that God has a purpose for you and that as you step into him, he will fulfill that purpose. And that's what we'll do. So identify what's been snapping at your heels, what's been swirling around you. And then recognize there's a river to step into. And that little dog that's been snapping at your heels is not big enough to step into the river. <laughs> but as you step into the river, or even jump if you want to, yeah, some of us are enthusiasts. <laughs> as you step into the river, it's stepping into be still and know that I am God. And we're going to agree with you that God is going to birth in you or affirm in you who you are. You're not going to be found. You won't have to get up at three o'clock in the morning to study and read. Some of you will. I can see at least a couple in this room who I think need the fount anointing to increase on you so that you step into it more fully. But others of you are going, oh, please, Jesus, not that. And that's okay. It's not that. But God wants you to be you. So you've got to step away from what's been snapping at your heels. Going to choose to take your eyes off of the TV and the Facebook and the stuff that gets thrown at you. For some of you it's family drama, you've got to just step away from it. Just do it. Because there's a river to step into. That's partly why this carpet's this colour, I think. Found. When I saw the thing coming down, what do we do with this? And I knew my teachings going to be somehow related. Gather yourself together as who you are. And then, as a community, let's get in the river. Not as individuals, as a community. That's right. This is a community thing, and that's why I'm inviting you to step forward. Not we, There isn't room for us all to actually stand on the carpet, but we declare this whole space to be a river. And so uh, as you're ready, come and step into the community of the river. 
because together we affirm that we will be who God's made us to be. You will be who God's made you to be. We will be who God's made us to be. I understand that some of us have a little difficulty standing. You're welcome to bring a chair in if you'd like to, but just make a step forward into the river. And as you step into the river, recognize God is putting others around you. You may want to just join hands or place a hand on the shoulder of those around you to say, we're in this river together. <laughs> we're in this together. We are a community of God's children. <laughs> Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. <laughs> thank you father so father I believe that you are in just even little steps of obedience like we've taken <laughs> I believe you're doing in our lives and in our hearts more than we could ask or imagine I believe you're doing more than we can see in this moment because, Father, every one of us standing here in your river is saying we no longer want those things to be snapping at our heels. We want to lift our eyes away from the swirl that distracts us from you. And we want to place our eyes on what you're doing in us and among us. So, Father, I thank you for everyone that you've called to be around me. Thank you that you've called me to be amongst these people. Thank you that you have a plan for each one of us to play our part in the body of Christ here at Catch the Fire and in the Grand Strand. So Father, let your anointing now rest on each one, every one. Let your anointing rest on every one now. That the river of God's presence would wash away everything that's not of him. Everything that you've longed to break free from and overcome. Just allow his anointing now to begin to wash that away. And as he washes over you, also experience that filling with his presence and with his love <laughs> that makes you more who you were made to be. <laughs> that makes you more dangerous to the darkness because you shine more brightly. <laughs> What I see is all these lights coming on all around the circle here as we step into the river. I know we're mixing metaphors, but I see light shining more brightly in each of you. As you say, I'm fixing my eyes on you, Father. I choose to be still and know that you are God and I am yours and you've placed me in this corporate gathering that together 
we grow in shining your light into the darkness. Just sense that corporate anointing that says you belong and you matter. You belong and you matter. Because God has a plan for us and for you that his light shine brightly into the darkness. Just let that go deep in your heart for a moment. Here we are, together. Here we are, together. And God knew what he was doing when he placed you in this circle. And so with the knowledge that you're standing in his place and in his family, I bless you to be more who he made you to be and to know who he's joined you with that the light shine more brightly. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Holy Spirit. <laughs> I'd like us to do one more thing symbolically. You may need to loose hands and then join them again, but can we turn outward so that this circle now looks outward? <laughs> Because this is not about gathering closer and closer and separating ourselves from the world around us. This is about all of us together saying, here we are world, here we come world, <laughs> we've already got what you need, here we come. So I bless you with the outward anointing <laughs> that you would go out and find those who are longing for what we're just tasting now. That's stepping into the river. That's stepping into freedom from all that pursues and distracts. That's stepping into the fullness of who God made us to be, corporately as well as individually. There's lots of people out there who need this. And you and I are going to go find them. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.